Welcome to the show. This is the Magician and the Fool podcast, and we are on episode number 19. My name is Dominic, and my co-host's name is Janice, and you will hear from him a little bit later. Today, we are excited to speak with Mr. Balthazar of Balthazar's Conjure. He is a professional root worker, diviner, and psychic medium based in Amsterdam. He uses a blend of traditional African and Western esoteric knowledge to help facilitate positive changes in his clients' lives. His style of spiritual work is firmly rooted in African-American conjure, but has undeniably been influenced by his training in Espiritismo Cruzado and Solomonic Magic. When he is not divining solutions or manifesting client objectives, he teaches practical magic on his YouTube channel, Balthazar's Conjure. He has contributed to publications such as At the Crossroads, published by Scarlet Imprint, and The Conjure Codex, published by Hadian Press. Before we get going here, I'd just like to mention quickly that there were some audio disturbances with the call. Nothing dramatic, thankfully. Um, at times, Balthazar was cutting out a little bit, and there was a delay, and at other times, the audio would briefly speed up. I think I was able to fix everything for the most part, but if it sounds a little weird at times, that's why. So, sorry, Balthazar. Before we jump into the conversation, I'd like to give a shout-out to our patrons. Thank you for supporting our work. There are costs that come with putting together a podcast, and our patrons help offset that cost. If you like the work we're doing and would like to support our efforts, go to patreon.com and feel free to donate a dollar or more. For the price of a nasty hamburger off the McDonald's dollar menu, you can help us keep putting out content. Finally, we dedicate this work to Hermes, and we freely extend the merits we have accumulated to all beings for our mutual benefit. Okay, we are here today with Mr. Balthazar of Balthazar's Conjure, and it's definitely our pleasure to have him on. We've been waiting a little while for this to come together, and it finally has. So uh, welcome to the show, Balthazar, and thanks for coming on. Well, thank you, Dom. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, both I and Janice um, really enjoy your your YouTube channel and everything that you do. So um, we're really looking forward to this. and. I mentioned Janice, so uh, let's welcome Janice as well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and very excited to have Balthazar on here. Um, I think he's one of the greatest voices I hear out there today, and I'm, I, I'm glad that we can maybe magnify that voice a little bit more and strengthen that signal. Yeah, that's that's I, I agree, and um, I feel Balthazar without without I don't want to kiss you know kiss your butt too much here, but. <laughs> Um, Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I I do feel like you are definitely one of the most level-headed, um, reasonable, and well-balanced voices out there right now um, in in the public eye. And you know, I I watch your stuff and listen to your stuff, and I don't get red flags popping up, which is always a good sign. Um, so well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's good to know that I'm kind of keeping the crazy down. <laughs> I do. I think you're keeping things balanced, which is great. So 
Another thing I, I wanted to say, so something that interests me about you and really um, adds to your credibility in my eyes and makes you a much more fascinating guest is um, something that I found on your website a while ago, which really lends a lot of uh, confidence in my eyes to what you do. Um, you've, you've got it on here. I'm just going to read it. Um, it says, when you book a reading, please do not send me your whole backstory in your booking email. I prefer to read blank with no information other than the basic topic you want to look at or look into. This allows me to prove my ability as a psychic reader to you and also stops the reading from being skewed by receiving too much biased information ahead of the reading. I just think, I think that's great that you put that out there up front. And um, I think that means a lot to people who are looking for readers, for mediums, for diviners. Um, and it takes courage to do that. And it, it, it shows that you're really uh, invested. So oh, yeah. You, I mean, yeah, yeah. Any, uh, in my opinion, any reader worth his salt, or any, certainly any medium worth his salt, should be able to read in that way. And that's the way that I've been trained. You know, it's a, it's a, it is a, uh, certainly within the Anglo spiritualist tradition, um, it is a, you know, an, a, an accepted fact that a psychic or a reader should be able to produce that kind of evidence in a reading and 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 basically prove their um, ability to the sitter. Um, and then, of course, there is the, the practical aspect of that. Um, if someone comes with a lot of information beforehand, it can, you know, it really can distort the reading. It can bring a lot of uh, bias. It can bring, bring in some sort of personal bias from my side. And it, it, of course, takes away from the reading too, because if I'm able to produce information and facts and insights that I couldn't have possibly known, any advice and inspiration and encouragement that comes through that reading is so much more powerful and meaningful to the client, right? Mm-hmm. And then of course, we've got to take into account the fact that um, we live in a very materialistic world. We live in a world that's beset with a certain kind of outlook about the universe. Scientific materialism is quite a soul-destroying um, way of seeing the world. And I think a lot of people are, are, are to some extent, maybe in some sort of spiritual despair around that. And then being able to have a reading where the, the reader can do that is a very powerful healing experience because it creates a real contact with the numinous. And that contact itself is a healing because it, it just sets your mind at ease that, wow, there's more going on in my life and in the universe than I thought. And here is proof. This is real. And that, that can be very nourishing, it can be very inspiring, it can be very, yeah, it can, be, it can really heal a human being, especially um, uh, with a condition that we as moderns have, you know, the, the, the despair. I feel like there's a certain kind of despair in our civilization at the moment. And this kind of work, to my way of thinking, is a kind of antidote to that despair. Um, and yeah, I do my best to give people that experience. Um, if when as, and when the sitter comes with a good heart, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm and I'm ready to serve them in the right way, magic always tends to happen. So for me, yeah, that's a really important thing. Of course, then with um, with the Anglo spiritualists on on uh, on this side of the pond and in the UK. Many of whom, with whom I've trained, very distinguished mediums, I've had good fortune to be trained with. Um, that is a, definitely a, a, a basic requirement. <laughs> it's not a 
it's not a, a you know you should be able to do that to some extent well and i i just want to interject here if i may um you know as a professional reader that's one of the things that impressed me about you because part of my opening when you're a reader you develop an opening script almost when you're the first minute or two you're sitting with somebody to get them oriented and one of the things i say is i don't want to know anything from you i don't need any information and i don't want any um and if you ever sit down with the reader after me and they start asking you the questions get up and leave like that's one of the first things i say to someone and it's absolutely essential to me and when i encounter other readers that's one of the things i look for is do they rely on their method of divination or do they start trying to mine the person for questions to to work from i mean it's really essential because true divination doesn't need any information from the from the querent the 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 divination works and and i think that what you were saying about scientific materialism uh is completely true and if you look at most um cultures around the world divination is a is an important component of traditional culture of indigenous culture it's practiced worldwide and um that's something that is normal and only here in the sort of in the west where the sort of atheistic darwinistic you know materialistic culture of the quote unquote enlightenment has taken root had, had, do we see a loss of contact with things like this and i mean a yes it goes deeper uh it goes to earlier roots and that but the point is only because people in the west are alienated from traditional culture do they tend to see this as divination as almost like a parlor game or as entertainment whereas like in a, in a if you were going to to go to africa or if you were to go to the east it's treated with great seriousness and gravity and respect and so i really appreciate your approach because you are bringing it back to that and i think that every reader every good reader i've ever met has the same perspective yeah well thank you and i i, I appreciate that you are able to get that about my work yeah i mean a, a good reading a good uh, getting a good reading there is nothing like it there's there's no other way to get that experience you can't get it from psychotherapy you can't get it from um from drugs you, you can't get it from there's nothing that's going to that's going to create a shift for you like that when you really need it I mean, if someone is in a bind when they're when they're in, in the crosshairs of a difficult thing in their life and they really it's critical and you get a good reading it can kind of create a, a, a shift in you as a human being and in your perspective in relation to that problem and the whole universe that is very profound and you can't get that in any other way it's it's a, and um so i i i really this is why i always want to encourage other readers you know no, no matter what level they're at we're all at different levels you know and i think everyone is always improving their their ability and and you know some people are able to read at a certain level and they will find uh, maybe clients who will respond to that level of reading but i always like to encourage everyone that wants to do do this work with a good heart to to really get into it and 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 feel proud about it because it it is a significant contribution when you're doing it well it really matters to another human being and uh, it, it you can you can really help someone in a very unusual and specific way 
that is you can't get in any other way. And I, I, I totally agree with that. And that's another thing I love about your perspective is what you just said, because, you know, the root of the word divination comes from divine and the act of divination is sacred. Um, it allows us to peer into the pattern, the warp and woof of a person's uh, fate, destiny, and really uh, includes a component of the divine. And that's another thing I've noticed that you do, not only in your divinatory, but also in the magical work you discuss, is you're always including that perspective of, of something, of the divine element. And I think that's essential and also traditional. And you know, I was wondering, uh, what's your, you know, what's your perspective on the sort of interaction between the, the sort of interface that occurs between the divine, whether that's in the form of a god or a spirit, or even divinized ancestors and the medium or reader and the reading? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, re doing reading and spiritual work is a kind of ministering function. Uh, I, you know, certainly from, from, from my point of view, when I work, that's, I feel like that's a kind of role that I'm playing. So there's a counseling aspect, but there's also a ministering function where we are you're you're acting as a as an intermediary for the divine. And I can include within that all numinous kind of intelligences, so ancestors, angelic beings, and um, maybe deities, and more abstractly the divine as as light or as spirit. Um, so certainly my work, I try to invoke that, and I. I, it is through that part of the work that healing can happen. You know, there's the part of the reading that is information and guidance where a person will, you know, know what to do with a certain problem or how to react to a certain relation or how to make sense of something that's happened to them and move forward empowered or maybe reoriented in a way that helps them. But there's another energetic aspect for me in a reading um, was certainly in my experience where, a kind of healing power is transmitted that somehow shifts things either emotionally or spiritually. Um, I mean, I've, I've had reports of this with, with my clients, and I certainly have had this experience with other good readers when I receive a reading. Walking away from that healed on some level, right? Whether that's emotionally or um, even sometimes physically, but there is a, a, a kind of a transmission that happens, and, and that requires that divine. Connection. That's why I always start with an invocation. I say a prayer before I read um, to invoke the highest principle down into the reading so that even if it's a, a, a very petty kind of reading, you know, the client might be coming about a relationship of a boyfriend or girlfriend that's left them or a job or something that would be quite trivial to when you, when you take it into look, look at it from the bigger perspective. But that rather trivial thing can become a vehicle for something much more profound usually. Right, and a good reading will set that um, you know otherwise petty thing, or maybe 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 relative in, in if you look at it in the grand scale, but it, it might not be that um, significant, but it somehow can use that as a vehicle for yeah for 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 um, a kind of a revelation about the person's role in their life their their. The, the role that they play in creating their own problems and the role that they might have in creating their own solutions. Uh, it might reveal a certain um, spiritual um, connectedness that they have that they weren't aware of, right? 
or it might put in context that problem into something broader that is more meaningful for the whole of their life or their story as a human being. And that is what I think of as my work. You know, that's, it's around that that I find the most meaning in what I do. Um, so I feel like any reason, you know, even if it's, uh, even if it's otherwise rather, you know, it could be around a petty dispute or, you know, something rather um, uh, mundane or quotidian. I feel like there's always an opportunity in that that is deeply spiritual. Uh, and certainly that's what I, that's what I aim for. Right. Yeah. That, that I love that message of, of divination as being uh, a medium, a technology for healing rather than just for kind of mundane uh, questions. Um, like you were uh, saying, not only are you answering the questions, but you are opening uh, an individual up to a bigger worldview. So they're, you're, you're taking them away for, for a while from the kind of nihilistic material. Exactly. World and opening them up to the bigger spiritual world, and in doing that alone is is kind of an act of healing. Yeah, it can be kind of psychedelic, right? You know, it it can almost have the effect of a psychedelic. A good reading can have that kind of that that ability to to trigger a shift in someone that is bordering on psychedelic. Mm -hmm. You know, and part of that is energetic, and part of that is in the in the revelation of that experience, whether that's through the information or the, that sense of aha or elation. Right. You know, even a reading otherwise negative, it might not necessarily be a good reading so far as um, the auspice it gives might be a, a quite a dark auspice, you know, but if that, if that highest principle is invoked into it, even that usually leaves the client feeling better or uh, having experienced some sort of transformation. I mean, it doesn't happen every single time because the client's intent is very important too. I have, a, I have a, one of my mentors has a saying uh, that sounds quite severe, but there's a lot of truth in it. And it's the, the, the sitter gets the reading they deserve. And when I heard that the first time, I was like, wow, that sounds harsh. But there's, there's a lot of truth in that. If someone is coming to this reading in need and uh, without um, some sort of... Um, uh, agenda. Some, you know, people have different reasons for coming for a reading. Sometimes people come because they really want their a story. You know, they want to have their, yeah, a story um, validated. They want to find evidence for their case, as right. it were, or anything of that sort. And there are certain murky intentions that could come into it, and that tends to shut that function down. Um, and there might be some benefit still in that reading, but. Um, if, but certainly if the client um, is coming with relatively sincere attitude into the reading, there's this potential for this magic to happen. Uh, and and it's, it's a great privilege for me to share that with someone. I, I really love it. It's, it's, it's my favorite part of my work. It's, I get such, a, I get such a, a high from a reading. Uh, it's a source of energy for me. When I walk away from an hour of reading, I feel energized from that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it, it really is a flow of consciousness, and you have like sometimes I I, I have to ground myself, <laughs> like I have to eat something or like do something to ground myself because it's like whoa, like you need to shift back into mundane reality. Um, I heard the word psychedelic. Someone said psychedelic. I'm in. Um, but on a more serious note, what are your ideas? How so? As a reader, right? 
there's a sort of perception of how fate and free will interweave and interact. You know, there's a warp and woof to destiny. And I think your ideas on this point are very interesting. I was wondering if you would be willing to share some of your personal uh, perceptions on the sort of interaction between fate and free will. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, 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 I sometimes I, I, I kind of, I have, I have different ideas on different days, <laughs> and it's a mystery. I think it's a great philosophical mystery too, right? Our philosophers have been trying to make sense of this. But I mean, in general, my my feeling is that the free will of today is kind of the determinism of tomorrow. So, uh, and I, I think that is one of the reading re reasons why we why reading is useful, right? Um, I think if it was purely deterministic. It would be, you know, there would be a lot of despair around um, whatever information came in a reading, or, or just in general. I mean, it would mean we were completely, to, uh, we would be cogs in a machine, basically. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my, my, my general feeling on it. Um, does that answer your question? Uh, yes, to a degree. But I also uh, was wondering what you think about, like, so. In, with Hermes, for instance, who I know you have, like, you have that uh, beautiful statue of Hermes that you pull out in your videos sometimes. And, you know, Hermes, Hermes uh, is, is known to be actually above the fates. So his, one of his powers is the ability to actually change fate. And mm -hmm. um, for me personally, I tend to see it almost as if, like when you give someone a reading, you can give them a perception of potential things that can happen in the future. But there's an, you know, and some of that may be set in stone. But would you agree that some of it could be changed as well? Oh yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. And there are there certain techniques that I played around with to see where to to see where where there is more um, flexibility in potential for changing a situation. Um, but I, 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 I believe that. I certainly do. Um, but then again, there are also often there are things that are really very, yeah, that are, that are fated, that are somehow are destined to happen on some level. And you cannot escape for, for whatever reason. And uh, no amount of magic or manipulation uh, can change that. But... I, I, I feel like there is there is some wiggle room certainly in my experience, um, and I, I I feel like divination if it's if it's going to be useful it should be pointing to where that wiggle room is, where you can in fact change what is going to happen. This you know and I mean this is also an interesting point. I was thinking about this this very recently. Uh, this is one of the reasons I hate doing. Um, you know, just general readings and someone comes to me and says, can you give me a year a forecast for the year? And um, the, one of the things that I don't like about doing that is that these readings are so accurate and I can, I find the, the, the accuracy um, disturbing because if, 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 you know, if you, if you tell someone they're going to be having problems with their career and, uh, you know, and it, it, yeah, it can be a very disempowering thing to have this hanging over your head, and it becomes a little bit ambiguous at to what point, at what point you are in fact influencing that that very outcome from from coming into being. You know, does that reading is the reading one of the causes, as it were? Um, the, you know, I have a video about this called, that I call the Macbeth effect, which is 
based on the idea that you, you get in, in that play, of course, and in the early part of that play, um, the, the, the protagonist comes across the witches who then um, make the prophecy. And, and the, then the rest of the play is basically the protagonist reacting to the witch's prophecy. And by, with that reaction, bringing about the very events that he's trying to avoid. So, you know, uh, the, there's this, this peculiar gray area with divination that, that I try, it's sort of like a, a dark side to it that I try and avoid as much as possible so that I don't do harm with, with clients or with myself, <laughs> for that matter. That's such a good point. So how do, you, how do you avoid that? Because, yeah, you could almost be taking away someone's free will. You could be creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. What are your techniques for kind yes. of navigating that with clients? I call that strategic non-divination. So I, for instance, this week I had a client who was going for a job interview that very same day. And instead of reading on any outcomes whatsoever, I just read about the interviewer. I read about what they want. I read about about the company what, to give them as much information to succeed in that interview. And then I did a lot of coaching on on um, prepping them for the interview so that they could feel confident, so that they could, you know, basically life coaching techniques, psychological coaching techniques that I've learned because I get terrified in interviews. <laughs> <laughs> or I get terrified whenever I did public speaking so uh, sort of I've done a lot of research about that so I, I try and give them these tools but I will never give them outcomes and I think the outcomes are going to be harmful to them if you tell someone who's going for an interview that very day that they're not going to get the job that's going to be a you know it's going to be a, a, a serious psychological barrier to their success right um, and I think you can do a lot of harm that way so for me it's about kind of reading what information is useful and, and I also know, I can, I can tell when clients are anxious. I've, I have a couple of clients who are very anxious and I, and, and I will never give them outcomes. I will read around the outcomes. I will I'll use the reading to empower them, to talk about influences and events and attitudes and what, what, what they're, to give them insight into themselves, to give them information, but I won't tell them what is going to happen, that that information is going to make them very anxious. Well, that's really interesting because you know, think about it. It's kind of like, think of the myth of Oedipus, um, you know, on one hand, where the pro just because the prophecy is given and other Greek myths too, but just because the prophecy is given, it doesn't, it doesn't give them the ability to outrun it. Like the prophecy almost produces that. But then also think of the Cassandra complex where, you know, in the, in that myth, you have somebody who is, um, <coughs> somebody, who is doomed to see the future but cannot change it and and for me personally I think that what you're describing is an excellent way to yeah. you know anticipate that but also be able to change it and like personally for me like I said um, there's also that element of of uh, like kind of like the word abracadabra I speak as I create as one interpretation of it yes you know, so yes. the very act of speaking it is a form of creating the fate. <laughs> but then in that case, are you the mouthpiece of fate, which is deliberately using you to set into motion that those conditions? Which is why I think the influence of Hermes is uh, useful. Um, because Hermes, if you invoke him, he can actually change the, the, the dynamic, the warp and warp of fate, 
Now that if he chooses to is 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 another story. So we are getting into some very interesting ideas and topics right now. But I, if you don't mind, can we t- let's take a step back for a moment? Um, we jumped ahead, um, got a little too excited. True. So let's talk a little bit about your um, your background, your esoteric background, and your training, and what uh, what methodologies you're working from. Yes, please, and especially um, I, I'd like to start that by yeah. going into your media mystic background. Yes. Um, yeah, how far do you back do you want me to go? <laughs> as far as you want. Um, let's see. Well, you know, it starts with my grandmother and uh, a mysterious crate. And she, she, she in the, I think it was in the 1950s or so, she was at an, one of these auctions where there are these, these containers, these crates that are unmarked that come from, um, I think, from, uh, I don't know, from people who've passed away and things that they've left behind. Or I'm not sure, but anyway. And you do basically do the blind bidding on this, right? So she, she bid on a crate of this sort. And um, when, she, when she got the crate, it was filled with books from the Theosophical Society, uh, uh, Rosicrucian books, uh, and so on. And, um, she, you know, we, we, my, my family from a small mining town in South Africa, so that kind of literature was just wasn't really available. And she kind of got really got into this stuff. And one of the one of these books had a, a postal address for for Amor for the Rosicrucians uh, American Order of Rosicrucians, uh, and at that point in time they had a correspondence course, and she uh, she did this correspondence course and she also got involved with the spiritualist church, and um, then eventually she moved in with my mom and dad, and this kind of library of stuff. She also had a book exchange and a laundromat, and she collected more of these kind of uh, sort of spiritualist, theosophical, uh, and some occult books. And this all moved into the house with her. And uh, of course, when she saw my interest, um, this became a, a real topic of, of con- and we really connected on this. You know, she, she saw that I responded well to this, and she, she had many incredible stories as she, you know, she uh, spontaneously started. Um, exhibiting the, the, the ability to do automatic writing uh, in her 30s. And she, and she she demonstrated this to me when I was, I think I was about 12 or something like that. And um, this had a really powerful effect on me. It really, uh, uh, really, um, yeah, I talk about psychedelic. It, 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 it set kind of the course for my life. And then, um, I, yeah, I just, I took it from there. I just, I, I, I ran with it. Uh, and, and, of, and kind of uh, growing up and in my, my teens and 20s reading the, uh, the kinds of books that we, we, we've all probably read and um, then kind of self, a lot of self-study around that and um, eventually uh, getting, yeah, getting initiated into Lukumi and getting in touch with the, with my, my godfather at the time was a priest, a Lukumi priest, but he was, his main function was as, as a spiritist, a spiritista, and uh, he still operates a very popular uh, spiritist. Uh, uh, it's not quite a church, but they have regular sessions for the public. And I kind of cut my teeth working the table with him for, for these groups um, uh, in Amsterdam. And then from that on, I kind of expanded my mediumistic training and I got involved with the, the Anglo mediumship in the UK and um, 
you know, I did, I did a lot of training at the Arthur Friendly College and I eventually became, I got, I got in touch with an, an elderly um, SNU spiritualist minister who mentored me um, in the Anglo spiritualist tradition. So there are these two sides to my, my training. One is the Afro-Cuban, you know, syncretized spiritism that, that, that blends uh, the, um, the sensorium of, of, of you know, materials and other folk magical technologies with the spiritism itself. And then the more, uh, the more technical mediumship, evidential mediumship in the, in the Anglosphere, right? And um, I've, I've, these two modes of work I found really complementary because the, this, the, uh, the spiritist technology is very, um, very practical. It's very magical. It, 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 it makes use of spiritual baths and brooms and brush and cleaning um, people spiritually while in trance and, and also working mediumistically by giving um, you know, mediumistic evidence and so on. Whereas the Anglo-spiritualism is a lot more technical. It's a lot more based on precision and developing um, very precise yeah, ability to transmit and clarify subtle uh, information from a spirit communicator and, and to build up evidence in a very structured way. Um, so it, it's... it's it's these two currents of spiritualism that really informed my mediumistic background. And then, of course, there's more. There's some, um, in terms of my training, I don't know if you want to get into my, my other work, but, uh, but in terms of the mediumship, um, yeah, these are the, 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 the main influences on my work. Yeah, let's get into your other work. Well, I, of course, I have my, in my, my business, I, I function in the mode of, uh, of really a folk magician. Um, I'd been trained within the root working context with uh, Kat Ironwood and some other workers in an, on an independent basis. And then I've done a lot of other um, research around folk magical techniques um, in the early modern period and uh, kind of synthesized my own way of working, which I, which I deploy in my practice as a, as a, a spiritual worker and a spiritual consultant as on, a, on a practical level working with people on a day-to-day and, and providing spiritual services for them. And then, um, of course, there is the Solomonic site to, um, where, uh, yeah, working with Grimoire, Solomonic magic, and um, specifically coming at Solomonic magic as a folk magician. And basically, my the focus of my work with that has been um, creating systems um, of, of uh, practical magic that are, um, are, are Solomonic, but based in a folk magical style of work that are r- largely spell systems that use materia, candles and, and other uh, herbal processes and, and other kinds of um, sympathetic gestures and processes that we might see in all the folk magical traditions of the world. And, um yeah it's a, it's a it's an ongoing work it's a it's a it's an area of exploration of mine and i i chronicled some of that on my youtube channel too but it's produced a kind of um yeah i'm a bit of a mongrel i've created my own um <laughs> my own way of working yeah your syncretism is 
And of course, I'm into that. I know I try to fuse. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I was there. just going to say your syncretism is is extremely interesting. Um, where you do blend the Solomonic uh, magic with the folk magic, and it almost seems as though it's it's kind of meant to be that they mesh together very nicely and. It makes me wonder, should there really be this separation between uh, quote-unquote ceremonial magic and folk magic? Well, no. I mean, it's 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 well documented. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dom. You were cutting off there. What was that? No, no, no. Continue. I, th- I think you got what I was saying. I mean, there, there doesn't... I don't think there needs to be a separation between the folk magic and the ceremonial side of things. I, I think they are kind of one and the same. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I mean, historically, if you look in the Grimoire tradition, there's always been the, the, the tradition of the Book of Secrets. That's these, these, there are these addendums that we find in many of the Grimoires. Uh, one of my favorite uh, versions being the, the, uh, the Book of Secrets attached to the Grimoire Inverum. But there are many, many other versions of these, um, these um, spell formulas that are very folk magical that are, are attached to the Grimoires that often... Uh, um, invoke the spirits of that and, and and direct them using folk magical processes such as puppets or um, you know uh, often even candles and other um, you know techniques that we would think of really associated with something like hoodoo. Exactly. But um, so it's 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 always been there in the tradition. Um, it's just the, I think the ceremonial aspect has probably been um, more. Uh, it's more it's been more sexy after the magical revival. It's been more intellectually, um, yeah, it's, it has some sort of uh, veneer of intellectual, um, what's the word, um, glamour, if you will, um, because of its intricacy and complexity. But the, the folk magical aspect, the, the, the use of spells and charms and these kinds of things have, have been there all along, right? I mean, uh, one of the my magical ancestors, if you if you will, is um, Arthur Gauntlet, a really brilliant uh, text that's been published by Abelonio, uh, edited by David Rankin, and he was a contemporary of um, John Dee, and John Dee didn't have anything nice to say about Arthur Gauntlet because Arthur Gauntlet was a root worker. You know, he he, he would um, you know, help people find lost cattle and and find wives and all the kinds of things that you would associate with more um, uh, lowbrow kind of magic. Right. Of course, John John Dee was far too sophisticated for that, and he, he actually there there were a couple of mentions in his writings uh, of you know disdain for this Arthur Gauntlet character. But his, if you read the grammar of Arthur Gauntlet, it's a, it's a, it's a, a compendium of these kinds of spell systems with grimoiric kind of magic all, all into one beautiful stew, along with brilliant um, uh, commentary and footnotes and, and kind of the technical notes that a functional grimoire would have, so someone really using this book. And um, I, you know, I can can highly recommend it to anyone but I, I for my i always think of arthur gauntlet as kind of my one of my magical ancestors as it were because uh he's is that there's something about that um work that is very uh resonant with the way that i work and certainly in, in my research and the, 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 the techniques that i'm developing i'm uh, I'm, I feel like I'm drawing on that tradition somehow, even though it is—it's really is informed by um, African diasporic religion. It's informed by hoodoo um, and and uh, those kinds of um, influences. 
I kind of use that to, um, yeah, reinterpret what I find in the in the grimoires and and work with it in, in, in an accessible way. So, what does what does a root working session with you look like? Do you keep it hoodoo, or do you bring in if you feel like you need to uh, maybe a grimoire angle? Um, it's all blended together. Okay. I mean, sometimes sometimes there, there will be things that I do that are yeah, very standard uh, hoodoo kind of works, you know, like a sweetening spell or something like that, like stock staple hoodoo things. But um, by the nature of the, the, the spirits that I work with, you know, the, one of the reasons that I work in this way um, is is having to do with this, the, the fact that grimoire magic is um, spirit-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're invoking as intelligences or these spirits to direct the spell work. Where with hoodoo, that's not always the case. Often you are directing that with the power of your faith, with the power of your prayer. I mean, sometimes you'll be working with the dead, but primarily in hoodoo, you would be in, you know either conjuring by God, the dead, or the devil. Um, but there, there aren't that many other spirits. Maybe the spirit of the crossroads, who's it was. I mean, we might argue is the devil, loosely speaking. Right. But um, but the, the, so for, and one of the reasons I you know work with the grimoires is purely having to do with uh, efficiency. As a professional worker, I'm doing a lot of work for a lot of different people, and um, spirit-driven spell work is easier. Um, you know, I've developed relationships with various beings, and um, yeah, it's easy for me to 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 have that be the the power in the work rather than trying to. Just um, do it by my my own spiritual potency, or necessarily some other, um, you know, or maybe just purely using the power of herbal ingredients or mineral ingredients. Um, there are, of course, all the whole material sensorium that gets 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 used, and um, uh, yeah, that gets directed in. Um, that kind of work too that is its own power really right the, the oils the flame right. the smoke everything is it is a power that we're directing um, but having that extra dimension of the being directed by spirit it's not only this power of the spirit but you have the intelligence of that spirit who's able to kind of know what is best in a situation who's able to kind of pull the strings in such a way that it really has the best result too so this is one of the reasons I developed this way of working. It just came out of my own practice of finding a way that is efficient for me. We're doing a lot of work for clients. I mean, um, you'll. I mean, I think being a spiritual worker full time is actually a marathon. And there's not a lot. I think there are people coming to the business and then they, after a few years, they vanish. They get sick or they just quit. It's 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 quite punishing. It's it's spiritually very punishing. It can be quite corrosive to your health and so on. So kind of this way of working developed as a yeah as a, a way of trying to optimize my work so that it would be more efficient and easier for me to to do work and of course results get results. I was just getting better results working in this way. Right. And and what are your thoughts on maybe spiritual hygiene as a diviner, as a medium, as a practitioner? Because it sounds like. You, you were just alluding to the fact that you could take on potentially a lot of negative uh, energy and, and you can get worn out doing this kind of work, constantly serving people in this way. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you pay me to do spiritual work, um, then part of that, and I mean, uh, I've, I've got to be clear, I don't accept 
everyone as a client, not everyone that comes to me. I'm, I'm quite choosy about who I work with. I work with people. I'm in a position where I get to choose. Let me put it that way. That's great. So I, I, I tend to select those people that I feel I'm that are compatible with the way that I work. And I, I, I'm, I have certain standards of kinds of things that I will and won't do and so on. But um, if you pay me for the work, part of the, 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 the cost of the work is actually, um, yeah, it's cleaning. It's me maintaining my own spiritual, mental, and physical health. Um, that, that it goes on behind the scenes. And part of that is, is just spiritual cleansing routines and all the, the spiritual bars, the things clean, cleansing around the house, lots of, lots of practical things that go on around that kind of work and of course clearing out the space once work has been done disposing of all that stuff handling all this stuff it's it's, a, it's, it's almost like often i feel uh, in some way it's a little bit like dealing with radioactive waste except it's on a spiritual level um and then of course a big part of that is also the maintenance of my spiritual framework those supporting intelligence the angels the, the ancestors the spiritual guides those beings that um, empower me and my work and stabilize me and my work, um, building those relationships, taking care of those spirits, feeding them, and uh, that optimizing that because, yeah, they're using me as a vehicle. They're, 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 their intention is to be of, of value uh, to humanity. Though I feel like those beings are, are seeking to help. And so they, they're using me as a vehicle to do that. But that requires, yeah, it requires work. I need to, there are things that I need to do to, to keep that relationship harmonious, to keep it strong so that that's all possible so that I can do the work. So, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons you, you have to pay for spiritual work. Um, I'm, I'm not shy about that, provided that it's a reasonable fee. That you're not going to be a, that you're not going to be a, sh- a shark about it, um, but um, I, 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 I feel like yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into this certainly the spiritual hygiene, the self care, and of course you have to be you have to be psychologically stable. You have to be a, you have to have a certain strength and integrity because you're working with people who are vulnerable. And if your intention is financial, if you're if you're seeking to uh, to become, you know, to make money only, or to, to or, or is 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 if your your intention is murky, you will exploit your clients, and that is a you know that is not a road that you want to go down. So you you need to be taking care of yourself so that you are healed. So that you're psychologically stable, and and that your family life is stable, that your financial life is stable, that your health is stable, because then you can be of service. In fact, um, if I mean, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be a saint. Um, I have my problems. I have my quirks and my my ups and my downs. You know, this year I, I had some. I went through a tough spot. I lost my dad at the beginning of the year, so I, I had I went through a rough spot there. And I had to really work hard to get my stability back so that I could be of, of service to others. And, but I, I sincerely believe that if your intent is service, that the, those beings that are working to bring about that service in the world will back you up. They will be there for you. And they will make sure that you are strengthened and lifted up and protected and cleansed so that you can do that work. That's really excellent what you said. And I think that you just basically gave some extremely solid advice 
which hopefully uh, will be heard by people because, and I know you put some advice in this vein on your channel too, and that's important. There's a lot of, be, <clears throat> just because of the general popularity of spiritual work and magic right now, there's a lot of very inexperienced people coming to the table and attempting to offer services. And I don't think that they understand some of the um, the peril that's involved, the wear and tear and the investment. And I think that having experienced people like yourself, for instance, mm. coming out and providing insights like this is, is invaluable and possibly helpful. Because the thing is to a reader that is coming from an imbalanced place or a money-seeking place. It's not just the reader who suffers, but it's the clients who end up suffering too. I mean, there's collateral damage that's involved with the responsibility magically and divinatorily that, you know, there's a, there's like a wave effect where if you benefit somebody by magical work or by divinatory work, that benefits their family, you know, and their friends and their spirits um, and their ancestors. But if, if you have the opposite effect, there's also that ripple effect where you set someone else, someone's life out of balance. Well, that's also going to affect the lives around them. And there's, there's responsibility for that. There are dues to be paid. There are uh, discarnate or immaterial beings that do pay attention to these things and do exact charges uh, in proportion to the rewards that they dispense mm -hmm. for ethical via V unethical behavior. And I think that that perspective may not be popular, but it's the truth in my understanding. Oh, it's very true. Jonas. I must agree. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. I mean, it sounds like it would be, it sounds like uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be doing this thing that I love. It's going to be my full-time job. And I mean, you know, it's, it, it is attractive, especially if you love the esoteric arts, if you love, um, magic and, and reading for people and and, and it, 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 you know it can be a, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun and attractive but there is there is some risk involved some real risk to your health um, and to to also to the to the clients you know you, you could end up harming people um, without intending to do so and and then certainly if you um, if you do exploit people which I mean some people are just bad actors and they 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 have that have you know they don't have the integrity that is needed and they will they will use that role to um you know to exploit people financially or sexually or emotionally or for, in any other way um and that will be short-lived um those kinds of people tend to not have uh, you know that word gets around for one right um and uh, it's it's and then of course as you were saying there are spiritual forces. There are there are spiritual guides and intelligences uh, that are governing this kind of work, and they will also ensure that your yeah that you that you will stop doing that work uh, in whatever way you know is, is, is going to be the most appropriate way for that to happen. Um, but I, you know, I can think of a couple of, of stories where um, where where you know, where people with bad intentions got um, taken out of that work. And and to uh, to take a slight slight detour on the topic of these intelligences, angels are a big part of what you do. Um, angelic, the angelic aspect is important from from my understanding of your work, and 
I know that uh, their Madeline Montalban is just she doesn't get the due I feel she deserves in today's world. Uh, not a lot of people talk about her, but I I know that you're you're an appreciator of her of her work and of her influence. And I was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about um, you know her work, the influence of her work on your on your work and maybe personal philosophy and also just in general your your um attitude and understanding toward angelic magic oh sure yeah i love angelic magic and um it is a it figures you know as a big part of my work it really is a, it, 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 the way that it evolves uh, it's turned into kind of the, the the cornerstone of my work angelic magic uh, and um certainly uh, Madeleine Montalban's work has been a huge inspiration to me. Uh, you know, I'm a student of the Order of the Morning Star, and that current, that the that the egregore of that of that order and Montalban's teachings have really um, been, yeah, it's been very very resonant to me. Um, she was an extraordinary. She was she was quite she was visionary. She she was way ahead of her time. The things that a lot of the, 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 the topics that are only now fashionable uh, in a culture, um, she really was talking about and writing about and teaching about in, in, in the, the, the 40s and the 50s already. And her influence um, is massive, even if it's in a, in, a, in a way that people are unaware of. She's had a huge impact, certainly on the, 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 the traditional witchcraft seen uh, there's been a massive influence of Montalban um, on that work and, and the way that that witchcraft scene evolved but one of the things that I love about Montalban is the way that she took <coughs> essentially what is hermetic magic and created something that was extremely practical and um, and completely original in some sense but managed to be based in traditional principles. So all the, the, the technology in her, in her techniques are very traditional. The logic she uses, astrological principles, also all kinds of things are very, very much in the tradition of uh, Ficino, Pico della Merendola, and all, all those kind of uh, Renaissance hermeticists. And she managed to create a system that was very practical, and she was insistent and adamant that her students and the magicians in, in general should be practical magicians that you should be able to you know um, yeah affect results in your life and 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 you do practical magic she, she really was insistent that that was an essential component of magic and I think at a time when that was kind of looked down upon as being um, you know low magic or something um, huckstery or when, when, when you should be doing theurgy or some kind of process of enlightenment or you know, spiritual evolution. I mean, not that that isn't valid, but she really was insistent on produ producing a system of operative magic. And then certainly in terms of her techniques, I feel a great kinship with her because she focuses on spell systems and often she uses candle magic and she combines this with, with stuff from the grimoires and 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 she yeah she gives technique after technique after technique is completely sound if you work with that stuff it all of it works it really all of it does work 
and it and it gets results. It really does the job. It's, it works like 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 magic. And but more than that is the yes, the mysticism of Montalban, the, the egregore of the OMS. And I have to I have to preface what I say here with you know I'm not a spokesperson for OMS. I'm just a student. So I'm I'm a fan. And I'm, you know, I'm an appreciator of Montalban, so I'm not really speaking for the order or anything. This is just my interpretation of what, I, what I've learned there. Um, but yeah, that mythos and that mysticism that she produced was, was really ingenious. You know, at a, at a time when, um, with the magical revival, there was really a move away from the biblical tradition, trying to reinterpret that in the light of Egypt or or you know, you know, really trying to divorce as much, you know, distance. Uh, the magicians were trying to distance themselves, in my reading of it, from the and still today to some extent from the from the from the Abrahamic um, basis of the of much of the the, the early modern grimoire material that the, that these orders were founded on. She did the opposite. She reread the biblical and she. And what was can only be described as a Gnostic move, kind of, you know, reinterpreted the biblical and created her own creation myth. And of course, she has her own Luciferian uh, mysticism also. And it's 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 all very ingenious. It's very beautiful. It's 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 if you get Montalban, if you understand that current, it's it's like a fine wine. And uh, to some people, it may seem, um, you know. Uh, compared to uh, uh, sort of um, the larger ceremonial uh, kind of format, it might seem oh, it's kind of crude spells or something. But if you if you get Montalban, there's you know it's, there is a lot of genius in her work that's way ahead of its time, as far as I'm concerned. And it's, really, it's a massive inspiration to me, um, certainly in terms of her, the, the, her technical. The, the, the technical aspect of her work and her emphasis on practical magic, you know, for her, the angels working with the angels and her system is very angelic. It's, it's very astrological. It's very angelic. I'm not, and I'm never sure what I can say about the, you know, the material because you, you, you sign a non-disclosure, uh, you know, pledge when you, when you, when you get, you get involved. So I don't want to give away too much that I'm not allowed to say, but I'm pretty sure I'm not saying anything that hasn't, been written by Michael Howard and and, and, and um, the people that have written on Montalban, but oh, I've lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Well, uh, if I if I could jump in while you're doing that, um, I think that for people listening who might not be familiar with Madeline Montalban, uh, besides the injunction from you and and my hearty uh, rejoinder, yes, you know, look into Madeline Montalban and pay for the courses because they're well worth it. Besides that, um, I think that just want to circle back to the Luciferian part you mentioned. This is not, um, there's a, when we're talking about Lucifer, we're not talking about the biblical adversary, which is really a separate entity. We're talking about uh, a, a positive entity. And uh, Yeah, Montalban's Lucifer, she, she referred to him as Lumio. That was the name that she was given. She transmits, and her 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 Lucifer is more akin to the Lucifer of um, Blavatsky, or um, yeah, people of those ilk. It's, it's a salvific figure, um, and there are certain other 
aspects which I can't really talk about, but um, he, it's a positive figure, a figure bringing knowledge and enlightenment and is a, a positive, constructive force in the cosmos and, and, and has a special role in human evolution. Um, I'm thinking, of course, of Rudolf Steiner, too. You know, he had his own Luciferian kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some uh, influence there from Steiner or from, from Blavatsky. But her Lucifer is a is a is a certainly a positive force, a protective force, and an evolutionary power, and one that is very much allied to magicians, and that it all fits into a mythos around his, um, you know, in his role in the, in in her creation myth. But um, it's a, yeah, he's he's the light bringer. He's a he's a he's an, a force of um, knowledge and enlightenment and and um, power certainly also not not the biblical adversary but she she does yeah of course she uses um, biblical symbolism as the as the treasure trail if you will to to unravel all these these interconnections like a true occultist you know, she connects all these dots and i totally agree with you that there's a gnostic dimension in that because if you look at gnostic books like the apocryphon of john um, or on the reality of the rulers, there is a there are passages which, of course, outraged the <clears throat> you know the the conservative faction at the time, which said things like the serpent in the Garden of Eden is the spirit of Christ or Sophia, and not the spirit of the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that spirit mm-hmm. was actually coming to liberate us from enslavement. And I think, exactly. and I think that Montalban's spirit is very much in that sort of vein when she's discussing Lucifer. It's not. It's not the uh, hostile prosecuting attorney for the uh, world governor, but instead the uh, radical liberator whose only aim is to help us become free like he is. Exactly, yeah. He, he has, a, has a salvific kind of function and a, a teaching function and a protective function. Um, it's a very bodhisattva quality yes yes uh, i mean there's so much i'd like to say about it but i'm, I'm feeling a bit like constrained <laughs> about what i, what I can <laughs> that's I'm fine like, I'm, I'm like biting my tongue here but and of course yeah when you when you're working with the with the that current that experience is unmistakable to the the experience of that being is that you know it's not some sort of sinister adversary demonic kind of character um at all it's an angelic, it's an angel, you know, it's certainly angelic. Sure. So we don't want to, we don't want to get you into any trouble. So maybe um, I'm happy that we were able to bring some light to Mrs. Montalban and people can kind of research on their own. If I remember, I'll put some links in the show notes. Um, but yeah, she was interested in the Picatrix and Agrippa before, before it was popular. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she, she, she went to all the source material. And right. built her system on that. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. Such an original thinker for that time. Mm-hmm. She she uh, massive departure from what was going on, and uh, not scared to do that at all. And I also think uh, it's important because she was a woman. She was a she was a female teacher yes. in you know a period yeah. in history where that wasn't a popular thing to be, especially in the occult. And I think this is, I mean, you still get people kind of like, I saw a, a very well-known occultist the other day online dissing Montalban um, offhand. What? And yeah, and I was so surprised. I was like, oh my God, you just, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she's a woman. Um, 
Mm. Uh, so it's, there's an unfortunate aspect with that too. But and and but certainly her th- that part of her her being a woman informed that work. You know, um, it, it's really sh- is is very much um, yeah. The, her system is very I don't want to say feminine, but there is there is that wisdom that is feminine that's being that's kind of being, that's evident in that current certainly which is which is a positive um so i i do want to circle back and go a little deeper into some more practical things um and if anyone wants to uh hear balthazar go into more detail most of these topics that we're talking about can be found in in your youtube videos and where you you go into more depth but I did want to talk about uh, one topic which you which you recently brought up in a video, which I thought was really fascinating. And um, another thing I like about your videos is the positive uh, angle to them. You're looking to help people, and and there's a, a very positive message um, being given, and uh, I think that's really great. So the the video I'm talking about is living with the blessed conditions, um, and I think that can kind of uh i think we've kind of been talking about this in a way but um if we can go a little bit deeper um maybe living with blessed conditions rather than maybe micromanaging every single problem in your life with spells which could potentially get you bogged down and tied up in the weeds which which is the opposite of your intention right oh, totally. so can, you talk, can you talk about maybe living that blessed uh with blessed conditions oh yeah yeah for me blessed conditions is when the whole ecosystem, your spiritual ecosystem is aligned and balanced. And, uh, and you are basically living, um, and they're, they're, the, the, the relationships that you have with the spiritual beings in your life that are your, in your spiritual framework uh, is, is balanced in such a way that your practical magic more or less vanishes. Um, you are taken care of and things work out. There is a trend towards growth and evolution in your life. Um, the, the resources that you need appear when you need them. The, the information that you need appears when you need it. Uh, you're, you're living in a blessed way. Um, you're being supported in some sense. It doesn't mean you are free from problems and free from the afflictions that in people embodied in, 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 in material form all have. Um, sickness and uh, you know other things that are just kind of part part of this experience as a human being, but there is yeah there is a sort of a natural way of being that you can enter into when you when you align yourself in that way that brings about yeah as blessed conditions which is kind of contrary to the idea of crossed conditions and and who do we often talk about crossed conditions which can come about due to um, various things spiritual contamination or maybe an enemy. Um, causing problems for you or with the evil eye or whatever. And, um, uh, you know, you might work to resolve those that that, that condition and, and return to a state of balance. Um, but there is kind of the converse. There's, yeah, there's a, the, the, there's a possibility for living in an optimized spiritual um, way, which, allow, which, which means that your, your practical experience in life your finances your health your your career everything tends to be growing developing and 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 there is a uh, an evolutionary flow that's kind of just 
pushing you along in a very effortless way. And that doesn't come about by doing tons of spells. You know, I, you get people that kind of try and micromanage every part of their life with spell work. Certainly when you come to magic initially, you get there's a wave of excitement and interest around um, the potential of practical magic. And you kind of feel like you, you, you want to be able to, yeah, do magic for every little thing and, and kind of engineer your whole life in the perfect way, which doesn't really work out. Instead, by, by developing the, you know, really our spiritual relationships with, with the, the spiritual guides around you, angelic intelligences and the divine, you know, God, as however you understand that principle, um, you can enter into a state of blessedness that require that doesn't require a ton of practical magic. I mean, I, I, I very rarely do magic for myself. Most of my my effort, magical efforts, are for clients purely because it's how I make my living. Honestly, I don't really need to do that much magic for myself. The main portion of my magical work is really around cleansing, spiritual hygiene, for and taking care of those spiritual intelligences and the other the dead, my ancestors and so on, in such a way that I have that support. And then, of course, there is the occasional thing where I will experience some sort of spiritual attack from some source, be it another magician or so on, and then I just tend to cleanse that and clear that off. I don't engage in magical warfare or anything. I just My philosophy is to, to clean and break and forget. Um, but other than that, in terms of practical magic, um, vanishingly small, that's my philosophy anyway. I loved uh, the video you mentioned about dealing with uh, magical attacks because another thing that these um, you know younger um, people coming in wanting to be readers, wanting to be professional magicians don't understand is it's a jungle out there and there's other practitioners who are just seem to get a kick out of being hostile, starting fights with other magicians. Mm -hmm. It's really juvenile. It's really pointless, and it really takes away from the point of magic, which is revelation and awakening and improvement of everyone's life. But these people exist, <clears throat> and they see you, if you're successful, as competition, and they will target you and attack you. And, and then if you allow yourself to enter into that kind of interaction, you just get sucked into the cycle of negativity. And your video that talks about basically don't engage, clean it up, move on and focus on the positive is one of the best pieces of advice I have ever seen on the topic and was needed. And I have to applaud you for that. I was so glad you put that message out there. There needs to be more of that message. Uh, and and I, I'm so glad that you made that clear. Thank you. Yannis. I'm, I'm, yeah. You know, uh, uh, I mean, there was a time where um, where I myself indulged in that kind of thing, um, but you know, it's 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 like uh, if you go for self defense training, the first thing that they will teach you is to de-escalate and get away from the conflict. You are not seeking to enter into combat because you will get hurt. You're going to get punched. You're going to get kicked. You're going to get stabbed. You're going to get something. You're not going to get out of that fight with some injury usually. Unless you're unless you're like the best martial artist ever, right? So you're you're uh, the the first thing they teach you is run or 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 talk, talk him out of it or 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 you know do something to to st stop the confrontation from happening at all. And I, I think the same goes for magic. If you're going to get into it, 
you're going to get hurt. And that, then that includes, um, you know, if you are under attack by waging a counterattack or even reversing it back, um, I find it just, it, there's, you're gonna, you'll hit them, they'll react, they'll hit you back, it's going to be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, unless you just kill them. which we don't condone here on the show no we don't i mean i I mean i would never do that so it's but it's going to be it's going to be a long protracted thing and then of course your the psychological aspect is yeah if you live by the sword you die by the sword you become preoccupied with that constantly you're that's you're looking for it the whole time um I think a lot of that kind of thing is just stupidity and, and bad readings. You know, someone will feel something's going wrong and they'll read on, they'll, they'll read on, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll think, oh, maybe it's Balthazar. And then they'll, they'll throw a couple of cards, misinterpret those cards, and then, you know, fly off the handle. And It's a level of immaturity for sure. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the martial arts side. Coming from a martial arts background, um, I, I, you, you know who has been, doing doing the work for a longer period of time because they're not interested in proving anything um the, the guys that are that are fairly new and excited um they really want to mix it up and you know like you said in real life you could potentially die from such an exchange so the guys who have been around for a while and really have the wisdom um they are not interested in altercations anymore. They are fine with walking away. There's no damage to their ego. Um, there's 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 a saying in in the arts that like if two tigers come together and fight, uh, one is killed, the other is killed, or they both are killed. So there's really never anything good good that comes out of such an exchange. Yeah, I agree, and that's you know that. And just important from in terms of my own um, spiritual ethic, uh, you know, I'm a pacifist. Uh, I don't, I don't go if someone cuts me off in traffic, I don't slash their tires. Um, and I don't, if someone makes a mistake or says something, and I, I don't punch them in the face. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't escalate uh, aggression in my real life ever, um, unless it was a very, you know, it, it, it really, really needed to be done. No sure, other of course. way. Um, so uh, there's that aspect. So I'm, I'm a magical pacifist, but there's this other side to it that people don't think about uh, as magicians. Um, you know, as a as a pacifist in real life, and there might be a protest, and you can just go there and be peaceful. There's no way to be to be um, you know actively pacifist. You know, it's, it is a passive thing by its nature. So you can non-violently resist, or you can just be non-violent yourself. But as a magician, you can actually cause an outbreak of peace. You can, there, there are magical techniques where you can pacify a situation. You can pacify an angry person. You can change the atmosphere in a group so that the, the negativity in a group is, is neutralized in such a way so that, that things get better. And um, I think as magicians, we should be thinking more along those terms than getting into um, aggressive magics because, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's an, 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 a really an, an advantage we have as, as practical magicians, something we can do that you can't really do in real life. Uh, 
I can't think of many ways in which you can cause an outbreak of peace in real life other than um, through words, maybe through inspiring people. Mm-hmm. Radical, radical peace is a form of warfare and it's a positive form of warfare because all opposites contain the seed of their, their um, alternate principles. So if you introduce peace, peace acts as a solvent to the chaos and produces uh, uh, a, a oneness. It, it, it's, it's sort of a reconciliatory activity. And that, that's, that's, to me, going back to like, it, it, A, it's kind of, that's kind of a genuinely Luciferian approach because you're breaking yes. through the chaos. Because, see, the thing is, producing this culture of like fighting, like, ooh, that magician threw at me. I'm going to throw at them now. Ooh, I heard you've been talking about me. It's like a bully approach. You know, it's just, it's just chaotic, like, and what that does is it serves for it serves beings that feed off of that kind of thing. It, it's just feeding forces mm-hmm. that are seeking to keep us down. Because the fact is, as magicians, you can create positive change in the world and improve the world and help other people, produce peace, heal sickness, do things like Jesus, like Apollonius did. You know what I mean? that's really the role of a magician. And so what these forces do is they enter into a situation and pit magicians against each other to interfere with the potential good those magicians could be producing. Because we have a divine principle within each of us, you know? And so we need to rise above the interference of, of these forces of chaos to bring about the peace that you're describing. And that's why I feel your voice needs to be heard more. Because you have had these breakthrough insights, and if you share them with other people, we could it could create this revolution of peace among magicians, where we stop getting involved in these bitter conflicts, and we aim toward creating a better world. Yeah, no pressure though. No pressure, <laughs> I mean, and, and and there's a lot of talk of you know using magic to resist politically and and hexing politicians and all these things and. Um, I, I feel like, well, what about the potential for using magic to bring about understanding and reconciliation and, 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 and sane dialogue and the things that will really help us? You know, why are there no voices talking about that? Exactly. exactly. And the thing is, is like, you know, it's, it's misguided to think that, well, that I just said something about this recently. It's, it's misguided to think that we can... I wouldn't do it, but you know, you have magicians out there. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna hex this popular public figure, this political leader. You're not gonna do anything. You're not gonna you're gonna you're gonna have less than zero effect. These people are protected by forces far more powerful mm-hmm. than your magic. However, you may be able to invoke a spirit of awakening in this person or in the people around them. You may be able to increase the light within this person and help them to have realizations because the good does not act according to the same ways that the forces of chaos do so when you bring goodness and love and peace and those holy uh, influences and those can affect large scale on the in the same way that hostility and aggression is just not going to be effective amen amen yeah we should be life supporting influence i think I find it much more challenging and interesting and fun to turn an enemy into a friend magically than to destroy an enemy. Precisely. Okay, so let's 
let's um we are kind of getting a little long on time i want to be mindful of and respectful of your time balthasar um so I, we do want to talk a little bit about your specific system we wanted to touch on what you bring to the table as far as um your services that people can uh take advantage of and what is what is specifically what is this three keys um system that you implement so the three keys is kind of a a taste, oh, not a taste, it's an, an access point for people to work in a similar way that I do. And it's really an effort at the integration of spiritualism or spiritism and hermetic and Solomonic magic, right? And so there is an intersection in the three keys between um, mediumship, divination, uh, working with the dead, and angelic magic. And it takes the form of four consults. Um, each focusing on a different area. And I'm of the belief that it's our spiritual contacts, not necessarily the techniques that we use, although the techniques are important, but it's the relationships that we have, spirit relationships with, with, with um, the dead specifically and with angelic intelligences within this paradigm that are really the source of power, knowledge, and growth for a magician. So my objective with the three keys is to help people contact or get them in touch with some of these contacts within the realm of the dead, and then also some angelic contacts, and then also working with their guardian genius, which is, a, which is an angelic uh, contact also right so there's the angelic component and there's this spiritualist component um, and this takes basically the form of three readings uh, one is a life path reading in which we identify the sort of general trends strengths and weaknesses overall for that person um, and then um, a spiritualist reading uh, a spiritual framework reading where I identify important spiritual guides within the realm of the dead, as well as ancestral influences and other kinds of um, important information that comes through a, a, a media mystic reading to help that person connect with more consciously and work with those guides in, in a, a conscious way. Because those guides, especially for, for people who are, who are working spiritually in some way already, are already around you and working with you, whether you know of them or not. You will have multiple from within the from within the from the philosophical perspective of spiritualism, which in my experience there's a lot of evidence for this. Um, I'm biased, obviously, but but I feel like there's a lot of like real hard evidence for this. There are these discarnate intelligences that are working with us, that are guiding us, that are helping us, no matter who we are whether we are mediums or not, whether you might be a doctor, you might be a lawyer, you might be a scientist, you might be a researcher, an, an academic, but there are these intelligences, um, angelic intelligences, and also these discarnates, also advanced, and then also often relatives that are helping us, they're inspiring us, they're guiding us, they're protecting us, they're nourishing us, they're giving us hints and clues with that. And of course, as a medium or someone who's working spiritually, you want to do that more Consciously, you want to have that relationship on a conscious level. So that spiritual framework reading is to help identify some of that um, because there's a lot. So we can only do so much, but I, I give people a good 
starting foundation along with the practical information they need to maybe just begin that practice if they don't know anything about that. And then the, the, with the angel key, we look at um, their, their guardian genius, contacting that genius. That genius, I, I permute the sigil, the name, and uh, various other inform, uh, information that I can discern about its nature, um, the virtues of character that it will help you build, the, the negative tendencies within your character that it will help neutralize because it is my belief that the, the genius is, um, yeah, he, that being is, it plays an evolutionary role in helping you unfold your character. Uh, so that is helping you become a better human being, for one. But then, of course, it will have the role of being a protector. It will have a magical function, too, where it acts as a kind of intermediary. Um, but more broadly, what my intention with the three keys is to show people a beautiful synergy between spiritualism and Solomonic magic or ceremonial magic um, that is easy to develop and work on in a practical way and arguably has been there from the very beginning of the magical revival. And yeah, that, the three keys is my effort at um, sharing that. That sounds like a very impactful and uh, positive piece of work that that people can go through that's it seems very holistic it's taking a look at um, a lot of different angles to to help improve the individual um, have you done a lot of those three keys workings to date yeah yeah since since i've had the service available i've had a fair number of students come through that program um, good uh, so i've had the privilege of you know sharing with quite a number of people Thanks to, yeah, it's largely thanks to my reach on YouTube, I think. Um, but yeah, it's been fairly well received. You know, the thing with the three keys is they're just keys. What you do with that information, you know, some people will get these readings and it will be interesting to them. They'll be like, wow, that's cool, that's neat, but they won't ever do anything with that information. They don't necessarily action that information. And then there will be, there will be um, clients who come that it really has a very, profound effect and they, they take it and they run with it and it catalyzes a, a change in them and helps them evolve spiritually and of course these 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 beings they have a teaching function too so the idea is to get you in touch with uh yeah teachers spiritual teachers who can help you in your evolution so that you and what i was going to um solely depends on external i, I really apologize i was not trying to interrupt you i, I i'm sorry Oh, no worries. I was done. What I was going to say is, uh, if you're listening, folks, really what he's doing, and he's just being humble and not saying so, is he's saving you a lot of work. Because when I encountered a system, I went, holy shit, this is, he's basically like cutting through a lot of the crap and offering up insights that you come to from years of magical work. Like this is... Listen, you guys know on the Magician and the Fool podcast, we only espouse the best. And what I have seen in Balthazar's work, it, the things that he brings to you with this process, it would take you years to figure out in your own magical practice if you ever did. It's really worth it because the key of being truly like this whole art is connection 
with the types of beings he's describing. It, it gives formation to your entire life. It aligns you with your true purpose, and it helps you know who you truly are. And so these keys can unlock doors for you, which could lead to salvation. Well, thank you, Janus. I appreciate that. That's yeah, very humbling to hear. I put it that way. <laughs> you know, I, I really hope that people, uh, I'm glad that, 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 you know, that, that you're able to, to get that because that is my intention. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like, uh, from my, from what I, my, the feedback that I've had that from clients that have gone through the program, that it is doing them good. You know, it's, it's, it's setting a process in motion and, um, yeah, certainly if you, if you're looking for something like that, if you're interested in um, mediumship and you're interested in working with the dead, but you're also interested in um, the angelic side of things and some Solomonic magic and the intersection of these things, um, then it might be worth checking out. Um, but I, in my own experience, um, also what I found is that the, the work with the dead, working with the, with the spiritist side of things, is profoundly complementary to the the Solomonic magic or the ceremonial side of my work. Right there is a there is a, a really powerful synergy between these two dimensions of spiritual contact that are um, yeah have to do with the with the practical aspect of the work on some level, but on another level, it's more subtle. It has to do with the energetic translation and there's some sort of bridge that the dead form um, that that gives us better access to the angelic intelligences in some way and then of course if you're working if you're a solomonic magician or, or hermetic magician or a ceremonial magician um, you know it is experimental often we have unexpected results and that kind of thing and working with your ancestors and spiritual guides have a stabilizing function they it's like having shock absorbers in your car or having insulation on high voltage, right? Um, if the higher the voltage, the better the insulation you want. And in my experience, the, the dead and uh, the, whether you were talking about the ancestral component or, or the, the spiritual guides who are we're not necessarily related to you by blood, but are um, mighty souls or, or, or very holy bit souls that choose to work with you, um, they, yeah, they have this insulating function. They, they, they make sure that you minimize the damage if you make a mistake. They make sure that your, your magical practice isn't um, too corrosive if you, if you play around with something that maybe is above your pay grade. Um, and it, it can save you a lot of um, heartache. Yeah, that's very valuable. Um, and I know you didn't come on here to promote your your stuff necessarily, but we're happy to promote your stuff for you. Um, yeah, I feel bad. Sorry, that was a long talk about three. No, 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 no. That's what that's, <laughs> hey, that's what we wanted. That's what we asked you. Um, I, yeah, yeah, this was intentional. We wanted you to do that. I want to also continue along these lines, and let's maybe let the listeners know what other services are available other than the three keys system. Oh, sure. Of course, I do. Uh, I, um, reading, psychic readings, and root work consults um, that always include a reading. So, you, people, if you need a reading of, of for, for any uh, particular need, 
um, then you know, I have that available too. And of course, if you're looking to hire me to do spiritual work for you, then that's a possibility also. Okay. And, and where can people find you? I hate to, I hate to wind this down, but <laughs> we're, I think we're getting there. Um, where can people find information on, on how to contact you and, and what you do provide? Oh, sure. They can find me at uh, beltazorkanjo.com. Um, they can also find me on YouTube, uh, also beltazorkanjo, beltazorkanjo. Um, and I have a Facebook page, beltazorkanjo. Nice. Uh, Janice, anything, anything else before we wrap it up? Just wanted to thank you, Balthazar, for your time and your insights. Also wanted to extend a personal thank you to the spirits that walk with you and the angels that you work closely with. I wanted to definitely nod in their direction with my hands in prayer before them, saying thank you for your wisdom coming through Balthazar. Um, and we just want to, that's it, just, just an expression of gratitude and thankfulness for your presence on the show today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. I had a great time. It was really nice chatting with you. And um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to have me natter on, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're happy to have you. And um, we, we love your message. So um, I hope you continue doing this work. Thanks. And have a nice day, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was a really wonderful conversation. Balthazar is a really cool guy, um, and we highly recommend that you you look into his YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. You won't be disappointed. Um, and Janice, you can speak from firsthand experience. His his readings are really good. His readings are excellent. Um, I am a professional reader of twenty almost twenty eight years now. And I only allow people who are at a certain level to read for me. This is an ego. This is just professional expertise. And his reading was one of the best readings I've ever had. Um, he, really, he demonstrated to me very clear evidences of strong psychic ability and uh, personal insight of things that he had no knowledge of with me, including spirits that I do not talk about that I work with. Um, so I was, I was sincerely impressed with his proficiency um, and as a person, he is a very good person. He is a good, has a good heart. He has a good soul. He is somebody who's striving always to be a good person. So when you combine that with intelligence and insight and expertise, you have excellence. And that's what I think you have in Balthasar's excellence. Yeah. And, uh, let's, let's start to maybe move down this positive road. I, like I had mentioned in the interview, he's got very positive messages and I think that's the direction really that's going to be making the most successful. I mean, it's not always the most romantic and sexy to work with angels. A lot of people uh, kind of thrive off of more dangerous and dark things in, in their life, but really, um, Karma is a thing, whether you believe in karma or not. Um, there, like you had mentioned, Janice, there are dues to be paid for uh, for things. There are consequences to actions, and cause and effect is a real thing. So um, it's definitely more to our benefits individually and on a larger scale to go towards life and light, um, as corny as that might sound. And what he was saying about living a blessed condition um, I think I, I see that as well in the, the line of the prayer, give us this day our daily bread, as well as in the prayer in the Corpus Hermeticum, um, 
where it's uh, you're asking to be endowed with vitality so that um, through that grace you shall enlighten others. Um, that's the consequence of working in the way that Balthazar is, in my, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And when you're working with uh, beneficial um, forces, what happens is you end up expanding your awareness and um, can experience increasing degrees of spiritual uh, insight and knowledge, which come to you, which are absolutely genuine. They may be visions, uh, insights, powerful dreams, but the consequence of working with uh, forces of goodness and order and righteousness and light uh, is that you experience illumination and understanding and you begin to perceive the bigger picture and how the many parts of the one work together to produce the whole. And then you get to participate actively in the one which is called providence, the, the, the plan. You, you have to consciously choose that. And so there is a way for magicians <clears throat> to participate in, 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 in the plan with a big P. And he's a perfect example of a magician who is doing their best to do just that. Right. So again, check out his stuff, um, balthazarsconjure.com. And his YouTube page, Balthazar, Balthazar Conjure. Um, as for us, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us where, wherever you find podcasts. Um, so that's about it for today, I think, unless you have something else that you want to talk about. And you can find Dominic in Portland. Just look him up, knock on his door, visit. Yeah, Portland, Maine. Look me up. <laughs> Portland, Maine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Have a good one. All right. Bye.